Welcome to Stories of Expansion, created by Gosha Gona and me, Wun Tan. This podcast shares inspiring expansion stories. We speak to amazing guests who have turned the biggest challenges and fears into blessings for themselves and others. We will be exploring how they've overcome their personal and business challenges to create a bigger impact and make a difference in the world. We will learn how they have survived and blossomed in times of challenge. We believe that the world needs us more than ever before. It is time to stop procrastinating and playing small. Let's show up more fully and achieve what we're here to do together. Everybody is talking about feeling unsafe right now because we're experiencing the coronavirus outbreak. And our next guest is speaking about safety. It is so relevant nowadays, so relevant to all of us sitting locked up in the house. And even though we're locked up in the house, we're still, some of us, feeling unsafe. So, um, Wun, what do you think about the interview? I mean, it's such a fascinating conversation and Dr. Narina, she is so knowledgeable. So to me, the biggest thing that I took away was that um, I've never heard anyone talk about the importance of safety and being more present in your body. And that to me is such an insightful thing and powerful to 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 know. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, I felt so inspired as well after this conversation because uh, we look for safety and security outside of ourselves. We leave the body constantly. We run around. We, we pay attention to all the social media. And particularly now, everybody's looking uh, what's happening in television, what's happening on social media, what's happening on, on Facebook. And every time we leave the body and we leave the, the source of our security, which is our body, our soul, uh, being inside we lose the chance to feel grounded and, and powerful. So Dr. Narina Ramlakan has beautifully, beautifully brought us back into here, into the now. And I think the, the core of her message is really look for security, look for safety in the right place. Come back. Yes, and, and, and you mentioned it spot on in that, for me, it's the bit around feeling grounded, feeling your feet from the ground. That, to me, was the big insight. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes just sitting still, focusing on the breathing, and feeling your feet on the ground, it's enough to feel safe. Yeah, absolutely. And love this conversation. It's so insightful. And there's so much nuggets that I took away from this episode. So enjoy, everybody. Enjoy the podcast. And we are sending you lots of love, lots of peace, and lots of security. So today, I have a huge joy and delight to introduce you to my dear friend, Dr. Narina Ramlakan. We've known each other for 20 years almost. And it's a scary thought, isn't it? Yeah, it means that we're both really quite old. (laughs) How does that happen? But actually, when I'm with you, I feel younger and younger. And uh, we've just spent some time together today. And the the amount of laughing and joy and naughtiness that we've had today shows that we will never age. Is that right? I think so. Who is it that said goddesses never age? Oh, 
Exactly. We're, yeah, absolutely. And we're not planning to do that, are we? No. No, no time soon. Absolutely not. Yeah. And that's what I love about you. And that's what I chose long time ago to have you as a friend. And so for all the listeners, what I would love you to to hear now is about Narina's um, amazing success that she's achieved in in her life. She probably, she's very humble, so she may not even think of herself as a success. But I have seen her go from where she was. And when we've met, Narina, I think you have already written a book. No, you were about no. to write a book. You were about to write a book, but you were already a sleep expert when I met you. That, that was starting to happen. That was starting to rumble. And I remember the first time we met, you actually worked with me. You did some coaching with me. And I remember you saying, um, you will write many books and you will be on TV and radio. And I thought, yeah, 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 this woman doesn't know what she's talking about. And it was really, it was kind of the start of my journey because none of that had happened yet, but it was it started happening shortly after that. Exactly. So um, can you tell people, some of the most amazing things that you have done in your life that you are truly proud of? I suppose, um, well, if we do it sort of chronologically, I suppose I could say it was being born. No, I'm joking. Um, getting over the illness, getting over uh, some serious illness. So um, growing up was pretty difficult. And so I was I was ill as a child and I couldn't sleep as a baby. And then I um, got very ill um, it all came to a head, I guess, when I was in my early 30s. I ended up being sectioned in a psychiatric hospital. And I spent three years in and out of hospital, on and off medication, trying all different types of therapies. And um, eventually went off to Australia and went cold turkey and came off all the medication and the drugs. I'm not recommending that any of your listeners do this if they are on medication, but it felt like that time was the, that was the thing I needed to do. And I had some kind of awakening and it was when I came back that I met you and that was the start of my journey uh, into um, expansiveness and moving away from fear and depression and the medical diagnoses that I'd um, gained up until that point I'd been given. Um, I never went back into hospital again. So that was the first thing, overcoming the illness and then um, getting pregnant with my daughter at the age Huge. of 40? At the, I had my daughter when I was 40. She mm -hmm. was very unexpected. She arrived, um, you know, a year and a half after my sister died, getting over the death of my sister. It was very sudden, very traumatic. Shortly after that, I found out I was pregnant with Maya, and um, who was then due on the anniversary of my sister's death. So it was very magical. Shortly after Maya's arrival, being headhunted to work at the same clinic where I'd once been a patient. You couldn't make it up. But um, I ended up working there for a decade as a result of that work, realized working with severely ill people that I had a story and I wrote my first book and that um, kind of put me in the limelight a bit. And then it continued from there. I think that's probably enough for now, isn't it? And uh, you became um, <clears throat> a regular uh, speaker um, on uh, This Morning and uh, BBC and all of that. You've spoken. Uh, why do people keep on inviting you on, on the telly? Why do you keep on appearing on the telly constantly? Um, I, well, insomnia <laughs> has been around since the beginning of time. Human beings have always had issues with sleep. But I think there's something happening in our world where sleep is particularly in the spotlight at the moment. It's become, um, well, very noisy, too driven, technology. But of course, right now as we're making this podcast... We've got the whole threat to our safety and our well-being and our health 
um, around the coronavirus. So, you know, sleep is is so important. You know, human beings are designed to spend a third of their lives sleeping. Um, and when we sleep well, it repairs the body on so many levels. It reboots your immune system. It's the thing we all need at the moment. But so many people aren't sleeping because of what's happening in the world. So there's, if external events almost conspired to catapult me into the limelight. So I kept getting asked to go on TV, but it was almost as if there was something moving through me as well at the same time. And while the more I worked with people, the more I was healing myself and the more it kind of changed my voice so that more people wanted to hear it. I can't think of any other way of putting it. Nanina, tell us, what do you think you have that it's special? Because there is so many sleep experts on this planet But they keep on asking you to give your opinions constantly. What is different about you? What do you think sets you apart from other sleep experts? Hmm, I thought this was going to be easy. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I never know what I'm going to ask people. Yeah, I sup well, we could talk about the, the blend of science, psychology. I mean, I'm trained as a Western scientist. I, I'm a neuroscientist, but I I also, in the quest, my quest to, to heal my own problems, I also studied a bit of Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine. So I bring that into my sessions. It could be the fact that I've worked in so many different types of environments with millions of people, if you include the media work. So corporate environments, elite athletes, psychiatry, um, You know, so many different types of people, but maybe it's also my personal mission as well. It's such a passion for me. You know, when life was so bad, when I couldn't escape from the fear that I felt because I couldn't sleep and, and it was starting to make me so ill, I know how bad that can make you feel. And so when I work with people, I come from that place, I suppose, of, of real compassion because I know how bad it feels. And I have been told that that's what people feel, you know, when I speak to them, whether it's en masse to large groups of people or whether it's one to one. So I think it's that blend of all of those things, you know, the practical, also really practical. I have a passion for science and making it accessible to everyone. You know, that's why I left the academic world. I never wanted to stay a pure scientist and be in a white lab coat and play with test tubes. What I wanted was to take this fascinating stuff and make it accessible to everyone in a way that could change their lives. And I, I have a passion for doing that. And so that takes me to my next question. Uh, I have two questions about sleep. What would you say, you've spoken to thousands of people, you've helped thousands of people to sleep more deeply. What are the three top reasons, would you say, are for people not sleeping very well? Well, I could be really shallow about it. Don't be shallow. Can I start shallow and go deep? <laughs> yes, yes. I'm going to start shallow and go okay. deep. Because <laughs> I'm being interviewed here. No, yes, no I'm, exactly. I'm joking. Okay, if we start shallow, three things that are really stopping people sleeping. Number one, excessive checking of the time throughout the night. Mm -hmm. Number two, excessive measurement of time, obsessed with measuring what's going on with their sleep. And, and number three, excessive fixation on what's going on with their devices and the technology. 
Okay. okay, so that stops people from sleeping. Let's get underneath that and what that's about and why people indulge in these behaviors. Then we get into people want we want to be in control. Mm -hmm. People want to be in control and they say, oh, well, I just want to know the time or I just want to know what's on the news or I want to know what's on social mm -hmm. media. Let's get underneath that. Mm -hmm. Fundamentally, people want to feel safe mm -hmm. and they think that being in control of what's happening out there is going to make them feel safe. So fundamentally, we all have this basic human need for safety. Mm. But many people are looking in the wrong place. And so they think, oh my God, they wake up in the night, which is normal. And then they look at the time because they think, I need to know how, what time it is. I need to know how many more hours. And then, of course, that takes them into worrying about the sleep they're going to get or not get. And fundamentally, what they're doing when they wake up is they're looking for something to comfort and reassure them, but they're looking in the wrong places. Mm -hmm. So I think at the heart of it, if you were to get deep about it, because you want me to get yes, deep, yes. is that sleep problems are caused because at some level, deep within, we don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. And in, in our attempts to reach for safety, we look outside of ourselves. Ah, that's profound. And in my personal journey... You know, it was 30, I was 35 years old when I had my awakening and from 35 until now, and I don't really want to give my age away, but I've been on this journey for 20 years. So it's a simple addition. So I've given my age away. So at the age of 55, I've been learning how to feel safe. And that journey has been about, you know, what are the things that I need to draw to do to draw myself inwards, to draw inwards and discover that the true source of safety lies within me. And the more I've discovered that and the more I've deepened into that exploration, the better I've slept, even in these crazy viral ridden times. So can I just ask you, because we come to coronavirus in a moment, but you've said something very powerful now. But for someone who's never explored this whole area of finding peace inside of them mm -hmm. and finding safety inside of themselves, What does it practically look like? If someone says, okay, she's right. I check my phone all the time. I check my uh, clock all the time. I don't feel safe. Yes, and I want to feel safe. What would be the fastest or the simplest journey for the person to go from that place of feeling very unsafe mm -hmm. to feeling deeply safe? Okay, so step one of my program is incredibly practical. And it's the bit where sometimes people go, oh, yawn, I've heard that one before. But I remind you and remind your listeners that, you know, I have been doing this for 20, or 25 years plus, And I've worked with all these people, including psychiatry, Chelsea Football Club, women recovering from cancer, children in schools, corporate environments and work on myself. So I'm reminding you that my five non-negotiables are the five things that recalibrate the nervous system, moving the person from feeling unsafe, the first steps of feeling unsafe into safe, recalibrating the nervous system from sympathetic nervous system, survival, fight or flight into the parasympathetic, which is Safety, rest, repair, recovery, thriving, um, robust immune system, feeling safe. The five non-negotiables, do you want them? Absolutely. One is nutritional, it's eating breakfast within half an hour of getting up if you wake up with anxiety. The second one is about relationship with stimulants like caffeine. So not having them. Um, not completely cutting them. If so, when I work with people, we I listen to the story, we do a detailed history, I feel into their nervous system, and then we decide what is it that's appropriate. Okay, this person, the person I worked with yesterday, the girl was drinking six cups of coffee a day. 
which by some people's standards is not a lot. But for her, we've got her to cut, agree to cut down to one or two. Oh, yeah. Now, she has childhood trauma. Yes. Not to seven years old, very traumatic period of life. We're not working on her, tra- her trauma. We're just steadying the outer layers of her nervous yeah. system. Subsequent work will go deeper. So we're working on relationship with caffeine. She's going to cut right back. We're going to get her number three to be more hydrated. We're going to get her number four to get her technology out of the room, which is causing more vibration in her nervous system. Yes. So it's adding to an already shaky foundation uh-huh. which is the naught to seven years of the uh-huh. foundations of her nervous system so technology out of the room number five getting to bed earlier rest entrainment watching the right programs before she goes to bed not horror stories <laughs> reading the right material not waking up during the night going on the guardian app looking at repeated news stories throughout the night mm. that's what she's doing so can you see that it's almost like this lady is like a house with incredibly rocky foundations yes. she's built a strong a strong house on top of it but now because of a number of life events that have hit her everything's starting to crumble so we've had to go back to basics and we're having to repair the foundations so we start simple okay five non-negotiables she's going to do that for a week to two weeks then we're going to work together again and i know that she's highly committed i know that when i see her again when we work together again she will be steadier mm-hmm. her sleep will improve will have improved a little but her energy will be better she will be more resourceful mm-hmm. then we can go to work deeper then we can do things like breath work we can do a bit of reg- emotional self regulation then we can What's do emotional self regulation um you know so many of us are dysregulated or in a state of high activation at the moment you know with all this fear and anxiety around us so the sympathetic nervous system becomes overactivated and we leave our bodies we dissociate we either you know we dissociate we numb out or we're walking around in fight or flight mm-hmm. emotional self regulation is bringing yourself right back into your body like i'm doing it right now i can feel my feet are mm-hmm. on the ground i can mm-hmm. feel that my toes are a tiny bit cold i'm not cold it's just that i'm so excited about doing this all this blood is being diverted to my brain i don't know whatever it is but um i'm feeling my feet on the ground i can feel my bum on the chair mm-hmm. i can feel that my belly is quite relaxed and full of your dish- delicious food so i'm feeling my body and i'm bringing myself back into my body while i'm using my mind to speak to you so i'm i'm regulating my physiology mm. so i'm not leaving and leaving and leaving and then becoming relentlessly mental if you like so staying in the body staying in the body being remaining in an embodied state while you're doing whatever you're doing mm-hmm. often narina you talk to me you know when we speak and you say hi gosha and then at the parting uh, message you say relax your bum Yes. Relax your asshole, you say. Yeah, I do. Can you, t- can you tell me, does it actually fit into the picture of feeling safe? Yeah. And can I just congratulate you? Because in all the podcasts and interviews that I have done, including the ones on TV and BBC and Sky and CNN, no one's ever asked me to speak about assholes before. So I feel this so, is, is really very pr- very. It's a privileged. very unique podcast. It's so podcast. unique. So I'm feeling the uniqueness of this opportunity. So um, embodiment teachers would know this. Somatic experiencing teachers would know this. And, and people who understand anatomy would know that the, the, the root chakra areas, you know, the vagina, the asshole, these are all connected to things like the jaw yes connected to the the upper body and in the head and and the throat and so um many of us go around in this state of 
tightness. Mm. You know, while at the same time we are dissociated and we're not actually even in our bodies mm. and we're gripping with our jaws and we're gripping between the eyes mm -hmm. and we're actually out of our bodies. And so we get into bed at night and we hadn't realized that throughout the day we'd been carrying this tightness which started when we were lost contact with our feet and then started tightening the asshole and those areas and then just pushed all the energy up into the head and all this upper body tightness. And then we actually ended up shooting the energy up through the top of the head. In the Chinese, they call this displacement of the shen. Mm -hmm. And so the shen shoots out at the top of the head and then we're just not in the body anymore. And we get into bed. And we can't sleep even though, even though we're exhausted. Because we, we're not even there. We're not in the body. And my ah. first book was called Tired But, but, Tired but Wired. Yeah. It's still called Tired But Wired. But, you know, it, it was exactly this phenomenon. Back then, I didn't know as much as I, I do about yeah. embodiment and Chinese medicine. So now I've been able to join the dots on this. But a simple, simple techniques. And this is, I think, maybe one of the reasons why my work is practical and, and accessible is because I always give people practical takeaways and little things because you know when we're bombarded and we're in a highly activated dissociated state the last thing we want is complex solutions eight month programs mm. blah, blah 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 really heady stuff what we want is somebody who says feel your feet just go about your day feel your your homework today is to feel your feet regularly throughout the day or and then the next step feel your feet and relax your asshole as well And notice if you can relax your arsehole and notice if that helps you to relax your jaw and your tongue at the same time. Wow. You know, so many of my clients grip with their jaws. They have bruxism and they go to bed, you know, wearing mouth guards or they erode the enamel or they, they crumble their teeth. They have tightness in their neck and shoulders, migraines. Mm -hmm. And if we just return to the arsehole... Mm. it might solve a lot of these problems and you sleep so actually the solution to human safety is in their asshole it starts with the root chakra wow and then we, we start with our root chakra and who i am am i safe in this world then we go to the the sacrum am i safe in relation to other people mm -hmm. and then we go to our solar plexus am i safe in relation to my power in the world And is it safe, the next one, is it safe to open my heart? Mm. Is it then safe for me to speak my truth? So it's actually interesting because I just thought that you have made a very interesting link for those people who go and, let's say, work with coaching. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I apologize for, for, doing, for clearing my throat in the middle of the podcast. It's terrible, very unprofessional. It's all that chocolate you had. Yes, it? It was, you brought me a chocolate and I ate half of the bar of chocolate so so for all those people who jump into trying to change their life but it's very heady it's very analytical mm -hmm. it's not going to take them all the way they could go if they um if they were to drop into their body yeah and relax their jaw and relax yeah. their asshole yes. and relax and fe feel themselves sitting firmly mm -hmm. and touching the ground is that what were you saying absolutely what i'm saying and and you know um, when I started working at the Capio Nightingale Clinic, the, the psychiatric clinic where I'd been a patient years before that, um, I used to get into these little friendly discussions, debates, little fights with the psychologists and the, 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 the therapists there and the psychiatrists because they would say that the, the way to heal these patients is to go in through the mind and their emotions 
and to work on their their beliefs and to do the psychotherapy and to do the CBT. And I would say, no, let, let's bring them into their bodies. Let's make them feel safe to be in their body in the in the in gentle non-challenging, uh, non-threatening ways. You know, I used to work there every Tuesday morning and I'd work with groups of patients and I'd feel into that room and think, do you know what, there's 20 people in this room, at least five of them can't do breath work. It's going to take them into some serious trauma. Let's not do breath work. Let's just work on feeling our feet, mm. you know? So we'd work on feeling our feet and then we would talk about the five non-negotiables because that's non-threatening. It's not going to trigger anything too deep. The relationship with eating breakfast and caffeine and you know whatever although I remember once there was an anorexic in the room and we talked about breakfast and I could see she was getting a bit triggered by the end of the session she said you know what tomorrow morning I'm going to have some rice krispies I'm going to have a small bowl of rice krispies and she said even if I have 10 rice krispies that will have been progress you know so it's I think the body the body is you know is um amazing book by Bessel van der Kolk, I don't know how to pronounce it. The body keeps the, sp- the score. Mm. And then the work of people like Peter Levine and Stephen mm. Porges, where increasingly the science of, um, of safety is, is, is coming into the fore now. And more and more therapists are realizing, actually, we've got to bring people back into their bodies and make it safe for them to be in the body. Then, then we can start to do the work. Mm. Wow. This is really profound stuff that you're saying here, Marina. <clears throat> so I want to ask you now about the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. I have two questions <clears throat> about that. One is, what would you say is the biggest blessing for you? What, what have you noticed that would have never happened otherwise if the coronavirus hasn't arrived into your life personally? Mm-hmm. And what is the blessing for the humanity, for the people, for your clients? Lovely question. Um, Well, the blessing for me is, you know, you know this about me, that for a while I was starting to become very overwhelmed and um, stressed out by all the traveling and having to get into the city and commute. I don't do it every day, but it was starting to feel, I was starting to feel the noise and overwhelm of being in these noisy, crowded um, overwhelming environments and doing the work that I was doing, I was, I was really finding it too much and actually becoming a victim of my own success, if you like, and longing to find an easier way to deliver my, my, my work to people without having to do all of this, this traveling and being in these spaces that were, were really starting to almost hurt me, mm-hmm. hurt my mm-hmm. body, my nervous system, exhaust me. And so, it's really, really put the brakes on me. You know, I, I have to be at home and I have, I'm have i still delivering webinars, you know, just in the last week, week and a half, I've spoken to hundreds of people in webinars. And it's been such a gift to be able to sit in my little garden shed called my office and and, and deliver my message to hundreds of people and, and not have to do all of the other stuff that used to be involved in, in getting to people and talking to them. So the beauty of being in my safe space. And so it's teaching me to do something on a deeper level that I've, I've had to work on constantly, which is slow down, take care of yourself, mm. rest more deeply. And I'm still learning. I mean, you know, we're only days a week or so into this lockdown and I'm every day learning something more 
about slowing down mm. and what that means for me. I have never done this before in my life. Mm. The level of slowing down I'm having to learn. Wow. And it's it's been so so far quite profound. And I struggle with it because mm. my being doesn't know how to do it. That's that's so true for so many people. Mm. It's still yes. it's like whoa, what am I doing? And if I sit here like this for half an hour and just read my book or just lie on the floor and and look at the sky isn't that lazy mm -hmm. isn't, isn't that laziness yeah it's, it's i'm so glad that you've mentioned about the laziness because um i've always felt i was too much of a high achiever yeah uh, the, the my list of things to do are never ending mm. and um it takes me so much to actually say to myself at the end of the day you've done really well Mm-hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so my partner can do one or two or three things and he thinks it was ever such a successful day. Yeah. For yeah. me, I need to do maybe 20 things to feel I've done okay. Wow. And so so for me, this this whole thing is about the universe has given me the highest level of gift, which is um a gift of being. Mm. Because yes, I am still busy, but There is so much more space now mm -hmm. to be in and not feel guilty. Mm -hmm. yes. And um, it's almost like the I'm almost dreading, I have to be honest, to go back to the normal. Everything goes back to normal. Mm -hmm. And people are saying, what are you doing at the weekend? And when is your next course? And when is your next thing? Mm -hmm. Now, people say to me, well, I have canceled five months of my work mm -hmm. and I don't know anything Mm -hmm. I've got no idea what I'm mm -hmm. going to be doing. Yes. And they feel a little bit panicked, but I feel delighted. Yes. For, yes. for the first time in my life, I feel I don't have any plans. Everything yeah. is cancelled till yeah. July. Yeah. yeah. And I feel such immense sense of peace about it. Gratitude. Lovely. Yeah. And it's, I've noticed you've taken a deep breath in and... Mm. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I've told you this today when I was um, uh, chatting about the fact that I've done a live. Mm. And in, in, in my live, I talked about the fact that I've spoken to a coronavirus. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, um, and it's also on a YouTube. This, this, this video is on the, on the YouTube. And I think it's entitled, Where is Our Source of Safety? And the coronavirus has, I've asked the coronavirus, why did you come? What's mm. the purpose of yeah, your arriving? Yeah. And, and, And he said, because it was him actually, obviously, he said, I didn't come here to kill people. I came here to teach you how to truly live. Mm, And beautiful. we cannot truly live if we do not give attention to being. Yeah. Because yeah. at the moment, the way we structured our lives, it's all about doing. Absolutely. This is beautiful what you're saying. There's so much you've just said. I think... It kind of addresses your next thing, which is your next question. The blessing for the humanity. The blessing for hum humanity. And you said you're almost scared to go back to normal. But I think the blessing is that everyone's going through their version of what we're going through, which is learning how to drop into that state of being and accept it without... And I'm going to use this word, and I'm not using it lightly, without shame. That's right. Without the shame... 
and the guilt, the deep shame that I, I know is not even all my shame. It's my ancestors' yes. shame because to survive, to they hard. had to work really mm. hard. And my mother had to work. You know, she when she was heavily pregnant with me, she was working in a factory lifting crates Wow! in Lambeth. You know, when she had when she was pregnant with me and since then we have health and safety legislation, but she had to work so hard and not surprisingly after me, she had miscarriages, you know, mm. so there, there, there are um, they, there is this shame which we, many of us carry in our DNA, which comes from our lineage, which doesn't belong to us. And we are being given a gift of dumping that shit and saying, look, we don't have to do it like that anymore. So we will go back to inverted commas normal, but it will be a new normal. And I, in this, this conversation, we've talked about assholes. So I'm sorry, but we could not have this conversation without talking about toilet paper. So can you imagine <laughs> a time when there was no toilet paper? Mm. And, then, and then they discovered toilet paper and they made toilet paper and then we started using toilet paper. Mm. And then we would never go back to that time where mm. we, you know... And, and I'm sorry, but with respect, there may be some cultures who don't don't use yes. toilet paper. Okay, but but for most of us in the first world, at least, um, you know, we used mm. to, we're used to this. We, we so we struggle. People have struggled, and they immediately have become very primitive about it. Thought, oh, if I don't have toilet paper, you know, so they've gone out and they're hoarding toilet paper. But I think we'll go to a new normal where it's almost as if, you know, we've got this new a, a new set of rules, a new inverted commas toilet paper and we're not going to go back to the time when we inverted commas didn't use toilet paper so what do you think will change i think we will settle not everybody yes but i think um if we look at that normal distribution yes. curve and i don't i think mr corona ain't going to go away until he's dragged a, a certain mass of us into this new phase to create a paradigm shift yes so the the, the quicker we shift the better to be honest the more of us that shift into this being, the more we'll start to create um, a contagion, a new contagion of beingness where people want to operate at, in a certain way, at a certain speed, with a certain code of ethics, code of behavior, a set of non-negotiables, if you like, where I've recognized, I've now realized I have to do X, Y and Z to thrive. That that virus kicked me up the button showed me that I have to do it this way and I can't go back to that time when I didn't mm. do it that way because I think part of the way in which we have worked and run ourselves into the ground in this relentless fashion has weakened our nervous system. And it's interesting that you're saying this because um, during my live yesterday people were talking about the blessings of coronavirus and mm. they were typing in as I was speaking and one of the ladies, uh, she said, I have realized that since I've I was forced to stay home, my level of peace, joy, and serenity has gone through the roof. Mm. She said, I don't remember a time when I felt so happy and peaceful. And she said, I've also realized how stressful my job is mm -hmm. and how much I hate it. Mm -hmm. She said, I've never realized how, how much it stressed mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And she said, now... I have realized it. I also know I'm much more scared of going back to work than the coronavirus itself. Mm, wow. And wow. I nearly fell off the chair when she said that. Yeah. And, and now the question is, what is she going to do about it? Because look, option number one, she can go back to her work and do relaxation techniques at home and do meditations on the train. But it's not really going to change very much. 
maybe a little bit for her. Mm. Option two, she's going to quit this job and do something that is aligned with who she is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's something that is not stressing her at all or stressing her just a tiny little bit. Or number three is what if she stays in, in this work, finds out who else is stressed and what about, and and to enforce some changes in organizations so people are not being driven with the deadlines, like you have to finish something mm -hmm. off by yesterday, mm -hmm. and if you don't, then mm. blah, blah, blah. I think this coronavirus is actually showing all the employ employers that people don't have to be sitting in the office all the time, and there is another way, flexible way of working, and we need to look after ourselves and people and the, the well-being in the, in the office a lot more, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and I think all of that, it's a great blessing. I think so. And I'm already, um, I've had several requests this week from um, corporate em employers saying, um, you know, can you come and talk to us? Not come and talk to us. Yes. Can you can you do a webinar for us on um Uh, and, and show us how we can support our staff and oh, talk to people go. about it. So I, I, you know, that the work, my work is ramping up a bit because of exactly this. These conversations, people want to find different ways of working, but importantly and amazingly, leaders are waking up to this. Yes. And so what we will have is the change will start to happen at at, at many levels. It will happen at the level of the government. It will happen at the level of senior leaders, the senior, and it will happen at the level of individuals who will also go back to work with this renewed sense of what it what they need in order to stay well, and uh, as, you know, standing at the centre of their lives and saying, actually, this is what I learnt during that period of time. This is how I need to look after myself. This is really what I need to do. This is my hope, and I actually feel this will happen in some environments, in some work environments. I feel in some places it won't happen. It won't happen yet. yet. Yes. And that those those environments and those employees will suffer and those businesses will yeah. suffer. I think that the organizations that are prepared to step in to embrace the blessing of what's happening yes. and to allow this, this essential evolution to take place, yes. those ones... Um, will will come through this, and they'll have a competitive advantage. Absolutely, you know? And I think we, you need to take this message to your webinars, and mm. and we need to take this message further because for the organizations to thrive and grow and um, and be truly successful, they need to make sure they're treating their staff very differently, and everything is needs to be set out differently. Yeah, I mean we are going from. I think we're going, I'm going to be very sort of rising above this and looking at it now in a visionary way. And I know I'm called a sleep expert, but really, mm. you know, talking about sleep is an invitation to talk about life and how we live because that's, that, right. that's, that's what sleep reflects, you know. But I think that it's almost, it's that, that whole um, image or metaphor of the, the caterpillar turning to, into the butterfly and we're in that in-between phase of that dissolution of everything, the old ways, everything's breaking down and turning into mush and we just don't know what it's going to form into. But we've got to trust that, it's, it, that it could form into something really quite beautiful. But we're in that in-between place and what happens in that process is that a lot of those cells die off. And old practices, old ways, old structures die off. And we're going very much from a very linear, 
patriarchal, reductionist way of things operating into a much more holistic, um, bringing in more feminine, much more um, all-embracing, all-encompassing, um, unified. I mean, it's crazy that we're all experiencing in the world the same thing at the moment which is so beautiful what could be more unifying than this beautiful mm. which takes me to my few last questions dr Narina. yes <laughs> i want to ask you this because this podcast it's about changing fear into success mm -hmm. challenges into impact what would you say was one of your biggest fears that you have changed in your life into a miracle into success, into something amazing. Wow, okay. So people who who know me, but don't know me that well, will go, wow, she's extremely fearless. And you know I do some crazy things. And I've climbed and I jump into rivers and I've done marathons and triathlons and I speed on my racing bike and all this kind of stuff, you know. And people would think I'm fearless, but... It was only when I became extremely ill and the first day of being a psychiatric patient, the first patient group I attended, a group session where I was asked, what are you feeling? And I kind of broke down for two days because I realized that what I'd been feeling up until that point, I was 31 years old, was fear, incredible fear, oh. because uh, fear of life. Mm. Because I grew up in such a difficult environment with there was a lot of abuse in the family. And, um, you know, I was afraid I'd wake up every morning and I would feel afraid. And I carried this feeling and I didn't know it was fear. It was just a feeling I'd grown up with. And I got to my 30s and realized that that, that was fear. And so since then, I've been working on continually transforming that fear and um, but transforming it, not over, not, not doing stuff in spite of it, but actually transmuting it into love. And it's a continuous journey for me. And as a result of that has come the work that I do. How many books? Um, I'm working on the fourth one at the moment. Yeah. And, um, and the, the, you know, the, out of that has come the life that I lead. And it's not some aromatherapy-scented, blissful, everything is perfect. It's far, you know that my life is far from perfect. But constantly in, in every moment meeting fear, I, and I do all the time, every day, I get moments of it, that old fear. Sometimes I wake up with it and I have to look at it and sit in it and I go, do I, is this a, is this a fear I want now? And, and, and I look at it and I feel it and I feel it and then suddenly it's like a bubble bursts and I feel, I feel love. And sometimes it takes longer than that. Sometimes it involves a bit of crying, a bit of therapy, some support from somebody, a bit of shaking, whatever it takes. But I don't know if I've answered your question. You've, but... you've answered it beautifully. So in my mind, when I think about it, your biggest fear was fear of being maybe attacked or being unsafe. It was fear of surviving. Yeah, of not surviving. Of not surviving. Yeah, dying to, to, the, to the point where, you know, I, I had three suicide attempts because I was so afraid to live and choose life that I thought I'm going to end it before it ends me. Mm. You know? And... Um, And then when I realized that there was a reason to live, when I had that moment of grace in Australia, it, when I was 35, and I suddenly realized that actually within us all resides this, 
this 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 safe place, but even more so, it's it's a reservoir of love. There we go. So you are a beautiful example of constant turning fear into love, and because you showed up every day without escaping, you were facing the fear and you were embracing it, and you were you were diving into it to the other side, which is love. You were able to serve so many people, inspire so many lives write so many books and it's not the last one you're going to write it's going to be a few more and so i just want to congratulate you and thank you that you are one of the most courageous people i know who are able to meet that fear and transform it because as you know it's very precious for me mm -hmm. that more people embrace their fear and they use it yes yeah as a trampoline where they can jump and spread their wings like a, like a butterfly or like an angel And then they can create more impact in the world. And so therefore, we're coming to the end now. But I want to ask you, what is one of your biggest dreams? Oh. Now, if you had no fear, if you had no fear at all, and sky is the limit, what is your one of your biggest dreams? I... <sighs> Crikey. Well, one of my biggest dreams is to be living in a place surrounded by nature. We're sitting in a room. Um, you know, Carl Jung, I, he wrote this beautiful book, Memories, Dreams, Reflections, I think. And there's a picture of him in that book, sitting in a study with stained glass window. And I always remember when he describes his study, it overlooks um, mountains and, 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 and lakes. And um, I have this dream of sitting in um, maybe not such a sort of heavy, his study was quite heavy, but but sitting in a place very peaceful, overlooking nature and writing books, creating words and content that brings so much love and joy and grace to millions, millions of people, to millions of people and being in a position where I can help so many millions of people and people who don't have money, people who are homeless, people who are suffering, children who are suffering, but to be able to use my gifts and my skills to, and my voice actually, because I've recently, recently done this with um, Amazon Audible, where they, I joined their advisory board. And as a result, I don't get paid, but they donated $10,000 to a charity of my choice, and um, they they donated it to um, a girl's home in Guyana, oh. you know, where my family come from, where these girls have been abused mm -hmm. and traumatized, and they're homeless, and I want to do more of that, but I want to use my gifts, my God-given gifts, to make life easier for as many people as possible. How many? Millions and millions and millions of people. Thank you. May this happen, so... Narina, I'm blessing you now with that dream to be absolutely manifested and that you'll be able to touch millions of people while you're sitting in your beautiful place overlooking the, the nature, right? Yeah. Writing your books and speaking to people. And I know it will, I absolutely know it will happen. It's already happening. You're still sitting in nature yes. <laughs> in your garden, yes. Yes, yes, but it's probably going to be even more uh, nature orientated. Mm -hmm. So my last question for you is, what is your parting tip, parting thought for people 
that we have maybe not mentioned yet on any subject that you want to for that for if people only listened to that last minute mm-hmm. of this podcast mm-hmm. that will elevate them and take them where they need to get okay please please you know gosh you know this thing uh, you know this about me um that there's something that i have and and i've always had it throughout the diff- most difficult times throughout my life and i remember my mother had quite a difficult life as well uh, and my sister who's no no longer here but we all have this one thing which is this playfulness this silliness and this this joy and i would just say to everyone don't don't lose sight of that don't lose sight of the miracle of life and the joy of life and do whatever it takes to discover what you need in order to help you feel joyful and and silly and playful and to be able to rise above it all all of it and and laugh about it and relax your asshole while and you're doing this relax your asshole and it might be dancing <laughs> it might be listening to a, watching something crazy it might be listening to you more mm. absolutely i i laugh so much when i'm whenever i'm with you mm. um but i think you know don't forget the joy and do what it takes um to feel that joy and i think that is the greatest medicine that we can give to ourselves right now and forever more actually. Nerina, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast which is aimed to give people tools, make them laugh, maybe make them cry and show them that life is actually here to be lived fully and joyfully and all the problems, all the challenges, all the fears are beautiful because they take us to the to the success, mm. to the blessing, to the impact, and there is purpose in all of it. But we can do it quickly, effortlessly, and gracefully if we relax our <laughs> heart, <laughs> yes. jaw, jaw. <laughs> tongue, tongue, and have fun. <laughs> Absolutely. This has been an immense privilege for me. Thank you so much. You, Your work is amazing. And I have absolutely no doubt about this. I would not be where I am right now today if it were not for you thank you Narina. you're amazing have a wonderful beautiful delightful day evening guys whoever uh, wherever you are and what time you're listening to us enjoy your life pass the uh, the podcast on and come back to listen to more for more lots of love thank you for listening we would love to hear from you Please share with us what you found useful and inspiring about this episode. If you know somebody who is making a big difference in the world and we should interview them, let us know. Please drop us an email at storiesofexpansion@gmail.com, at gmail.com and we'll see you in the next episode.